you Yeah, yo There whenever it matters and even more when you feel like it doesn't Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't Know I'm right alongside you, here by that I'm behind you But always got you, end the discussion, nothing means more First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours And know that I ain't see a better view yet I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak To change what a partake Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway My job is to aware you, fully loaded Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, hopping down, cause feeling's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Yo, yo, welcome to another episode of Dad Is Not A Noun. My name is Ishmael. I hope everyone's having a great uh, day, great weekend, whatever you're doing. Hope it's lovely. Quick shout out to the Real Dads Network. I'm representing their shirts because it's fresh and it's dope and I love it. And then also what they're what they're doing is right now it's the Real Dads Week 2021, celebrating dads all over the world. Just an amazing week, man. Just just the award show from the spoken words to the art exhibit. Just right now, they're on a hike right now, which is pretty, pretty fire. So I want to give a quick shout out to the Real Dads Network. So if you missed any of the past events that happened um, this week, in the description below, it's going to give you the link where you can go to to watch all the great events they had at the Real Dads Network. And also, I'm a strong believer that you know, we stand on the shoulder of giants, especially when the fatherhood movement. And right now, I'm thinking about social media, right? And I know right now the big thing is dad gang and everything like that, which is important. Uh, but also going back to 2008, it's this brother that I have on who created this father group, and it was an awesome group where it created a safe place for black fathers to come to just to share photos just to to be vulnerable and i'm luckily lucky to have this brother on this is matt pressberry he created the father group in two black father group in 2008 and in 2018 he created the black father foundation with his lovely wife and i'm glad to have him on matt pressberry how you doing brother thank you brother i'm i'm doing well Doing very well. Uh, real fast, you know, as we're kind of transitioning from the pandemic, what have you learned as a father, husband, as a black man? What have you learned through the pandemic? One thing I've I've learned is grace, and that is I got from a friend who uses uses that word pretty frequently. In 2020, that was really the word of the year. And I think that that's that's that would be the thing I would say would be number one, because I think back right now, as I say that to in the toward the beginning of the pandemic and even not not too long ago, I'm sure there's still people probably to this day who are still saying that there are certain things that if you didn't do these things, then during this time, then you're a failure. If you didn't start five businesses and learn three different languages and all of that sort of stuff. So early on, I learned that you have to give yourself grace and, and you can't push yourself 
because other people are saying that these are things that you should have accomplished or you should be accomplishing or that, you know, you're a failure because you're not doing these certain things. Scrap all of that, you know, give yourself grace, give yourself be compassionate toward your own self and what you're able to do and then extend that to others because so many of us have dealt and are still dealing with so much due to this whole pandemic and and everything involved in it whether it's losing a loved one being sick yourself being out of work stress our kids stressing out from being home and not being able to go to school and see their friends it's just way too much going on for us to be still being hard on ourselves and on each other and having somewhat unrealistic expectations of what we should have accomplished. Do do what feels good for you, what's best for you, and that that everything else pretty much will take care of itself. And that's that's the one thing I've learned. And and another thing is really that's been helpful is communication. And I say that specifically between myself and my wife. Uh, between us as parents and our children and now in the work that we're doing with the foundation, that communication piece, we brought on three members who once we get our nonprofit status, will be on our board. So for me as a person who's always been one, thank you, who's always been one who just wanted to run and go. Every time I get an idea, I just want to jump out the window and go try to tackle everything. But now I find myself in a case where I have to sit down I have to talk to people. We have to have meetings. We have to discuss this. We have to agree on how we're going to operate. And that's still pretty new to me, but I like it because it, it challenges me and in, in, in a, in a different way. And it makes me know that not everything I think is right. Not everything I think makes sense. And there are a lot of things that make more sense than what I'm thinking. And I have to yield sometimes to other people and what they believe in that. That is a challenging thing for, for someone who generally operates the way that I do, but I appreciate it because it's growth is helping me evolve. And I know that ultimately it's going to lead us to success as an organization. And then through the pandemic, through the pandemic what have you learned about your kids and, that, and your wife that you didn't know? So one thing I, I know that I learned about my daughter is that she hold some things inside and i've always known that she wasn't very expressive but i didn't know how much she was holding on to i thought she was always just like cool calm and collective and nothing bothered her but especially recently uh we moved to atlanta uh about two months ago now and it's it's been somewhat of a struggle and we had to we moved down here from baltimore we moved from one apartment to another. So it's been a lot going on, right? And that's on top of everything that the kids have already been dealing with when they were back home and everything. So to have the conversation with her and to get a sense of how she feels about everything that's going on, it it let me know that we really need to do a better job in terms of just talking to her, having those conversations and seeing how she feels and not thinking that everything is okay just because she doesn't open up. Um, I learned as far as my youngest son, I have three sons, two are uh, grown, and my youngest is 16 year old. So I've learned more about his drive and his entrepreneurial spirit. He got a pressure washer in yesterday that he put together and he's starting a pressure washing business. 
16 years old. I was like, man, when I was 16, I was all I wanted to do is I was working at McDonald's and I was spending my paycheck up on clothes every time I got it. But this dude is out here starting a business where he has to go around, solicit customers and get, you know, perform a service and all of that. So his drive is is crazy. He built a PC during the pandemic from from scratch. He flipped parts. He got parts from people, resold them and, you know, did everything he needed to do to get his computer exactly the way he wanted it. So to see all of that was something special. I don't know that I learned anything new about my wife. I'm not sure. That's like I had to think about that one. But I, what I miss when you guys used to be on Facebook and IG, you used to guys have the IG live, man. That was pretty dope. Thank you. Now that, thank you. That reminds me. I did learn something about my wife. Um, I learned how much fun it is to host a show with her. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think she learned a lot about herself too, because she's always said, you know, I'm not the talker. You go do the interviews, you do this and do that. But she with with doing that, um, with doing that show, like she's definitely gotten some practice and she's much more comfortable now. So I'm I'm glad you brought that up. And I really appreciate that because I miss us doing that. We have we have to get back to doing that. Because that yeah, was really a like, lot of fun. Like one of my favorite um conversations you guys had, you guys had was when you talked about mental health. Uh-huh. You know, she talked about her story, and then you talk about your story, and how how you guys came together, and had the patience, how she had the patience to overcome what you were dealing with. Yeah. She, under, she understood. So yeah. can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Yes. So I have had I don't know for how long now, but I've been dealing with um, severe. I was diagnosed clinically with severe depression and anxiety been dealing with that for uh, quite a few years now, actually made two attempts on my own life during that course. And it's it, it has been a struggle. And I know from the beginning for her, it was very difficult because I, I always say people with depression don't understand depression. So people without it definitely can't understand it, you know, because we don't, we that go through it don't even fully understand it. So it's been it's been a, a ride really and it's a lot that i had to learn and she had to learn as well so one of the biggest things is learning about triggers and how not to really set a person off and take them there and so that's goes for the person who is supporting the person that deals with depression for them to kind of navigate through that whole process in terms of the communication and all of those sorts of things but also for the person going through it I know personally, there are some things that trigger me and I, I work to avoid them. Some people say, don't do that, do the opposite. But there are just certain things that I don't have to deal with and I choose not to, like watching the news because I don't want to hear about death every day because that brings me down. So I just don't do it. So I had to learn that about myself, but I also had to learn how to deal with certain things because there's some things you just can't avoid, right? And you can't use depression as an excuse to treat people any kind of way. So I can't just say, oh, I'm going to cuss you out because I got depression and you say good morning and I didn't feel like hearing you say good morning. So F you and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, there's certain things that everybody in the situation has to learn about the other person and about themselves and how best to handle it. So I give her a lot of credit for still being here with me and (laughs) 
and putting up with me. I also give our marriage counselor a hell of a lot of credit because she has really helped us through this. Without her, during this time, especially during the pandemic and us being together all the time, I don't know that I could say she would still be here with me right now. So that, that marriage counseling has helped a lot and really helped me not, not only just navigate through the marriage and the relationship and how to best deal with it, but also dealing with my depression and everything about it. Yeah, man, that's deep, man. Thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Um, talking about counseling, like, like let, let's go back to 2008, because I think when you created that group, I think I don't think you see it as it when you created it in 2008. But looking yeah. back, I see that platform being a counseling for black fathers. So can you take me back to 2008 and why you wanted to create the black father group? Certainly, I, I never anticipated it being therapeutic in any kind of way or as as much of a support group as it is today. When I first created it, I, I literally I looked around at mainstream media and particularly one example that I'll never forget is looking at a magazine called Parents. Mm. Parents, right? You look in Parents magazine and see no fathers. And if you do, of course, it's a white guy, right? So there was no representation of us in in a genuine, sincere manner. You know, when when you would see black men who are fathers, at that time we were not adequately represented in mainstream media. It wasn't the loving black dad who takes care of his kids and everything, except for, of course, like we had Cosby Show, right? We had reruns and in 2008, we had reruns of the Cosby Show, but other shows that came on, the dads that were on it, there were some, well, you had what, Carl Winslow maybe, who was who was a decent black rep representation of a black dad. But again, all of this is fictional, right? But even right. within the fictional realm, you still had those who were just buffoons, right? They, they would come on there, the black dad, they're there, but they're idiots and they're doing, having these stupid conversations with their kids and treating them like criminals and, you know, all of this craziness. So, oh, Uncle Phil, shout out to Uncle Phil. Yeah, gotta give him, gotta give him his props. But again, all of this is fictional. So in reality, we weren't represented except for if you watch a news story it's about the dad who had all these kids and with all these different baby mothers and left all the kids and he's just a sperm donor or he's a you know he's a deadbeat and then of course what we see mostly when we look on the media and we see images of black men are, are those who are being locked up for something right so it's criminality that's how we're mostly represented in mainstream media and I wanted to change that. And I felt it necessary because two things. One, I always say perception shapes reality and you can't give a fair assessment of anything with only one side of it. If you got a one sided perspective, then that's all you can base your perception on. If all you ever heard 24 hours a day, seven days a week was black men ain't sh then how do you ever come to the conclusion that we're anything but that? You can't. So when you have that opportunity, which I did, my thought was that I'm going to create this space for black men who have children, regardless of the situation, even if they're not 
taking care of them the way they should be, they still can come into this space, right? And if they are doing what they need to be doing, then they should be represented and they should sh take pictures of themselves, take videos. That was the first thing I ever told people. Show pictures of you with your children, doing something with your children, videos, or write in an anecdotal that says, oh, we went to the park today, we had fun, yada, yada. And in doing so, you provide that representation of yourself. You're telling your own story in your own words, in your own images, and nobody has to do that for you. Nobody can really truthfully misconstrue that, right? People can say whatever they want, but if I show you a picture and I'm out with my child, I'm with my child, right? Now, it, it could be for show, but either way, you're still taking that time to be with your child. So that means something. You've taken time out of your day for whatever reason it is, whether it's just because you want somebody to look at you as a hero or whatever it is, you've taken your time to be with that child. And that's important to that child too, just as important as it is to get that image out there. So that's what I really wanted fathers to do. And everything that it has become today is not, no, I, I'll, I'll be lying if I said I didn't have some expectation that the other phrase that I use is being resources to one another, right? Yeah. So it's finding out information, whatever, whatever. I need a lawyer. Who's Who's got a lawyer who can help me out or I'm doing this, whatever. But to the level that it's gotten to and to the extent where we're now even working to bring in a therapist and shout out to dear fathers who we've connected with. Speaking of the collaborations and working together, we've connected with dear fathers and they have a program they call Straight Mental. So they've gotten a therapist who actually will be coming into the Black Fathers group to hold sessions with fathers. And the first thought that I had was on grief and loss because during this pandemic, we've had many posts from fathers who are saying that they've lost a child, lost a parent, lost a sibling. So all of that, we, we're dealing with all of that every day. And I wanted to try to assist in whatever way I could. So the first thought was to connect and bring in someone who can facilitate this session where fathers can talk about their grief and loss in a, in a group setting so that we can be with one another and support one another continuously in that manner. So it's not a one-on-one -on -one session, but it's a group session so we can right. all talk about what we're going through and help each other out. Definitely. Shout out to the dear fathers for doing what they're yes. doing. They're doing yes. great things. Um, also, quick shout out again to the Real Dads Network because they have the Real Dads um, Club for almost mm. for basically 12 months. Uh, they've been getting uh, brothers together and um, doing therapy, doing financial, mm. doing how to teach um, fathers how to be healthy from um, also having guest speakers come on just to talk on to talk on important issues that affect black fathers. So again, shout out to Dear Fathers and uh, as well as the Deal Real Dad Network for the great work they're doing. Because again, you know, it's important to highlight black fathers, but also I think the second part, what are the resources are you offering right. to black fathers right. to create a space for them to feel comfortable to, you know, to be vulnerable. And I think that's yeah. important. And I think, with black fathers in 2008 i think that was a trailblazing moment because now you created this platform on this on the social media that you know i, I don't know if you saw like the future ahead how important it is now today 
whether you know you go on instagram you go on twitter there's a black father group movement that's there so i think it goes back to you and the important reason why i wanted this conversation with you to let people know that it started from somewhere it wasn't something that you know someone just created out of the blue and no so we we were all inspired by somebody right yeah I think that's important and i think one of the one things that's left out is like we forget to tell the narrative of people that we were inspired by yes and i appreciate that because i i have said that myself and i i, I firmly believe it and that's not a brag in any sense but i believe it to be a fact when i looked around in 2008 i i literally looked around and looked for other things because i'm not one who ever feels the need to recreate the wheel if it was already a group out there that was doing what Black Fathers does, I would have joined and I would have just been a part of that. There wasn't anything like that in, in, in the social media sphere, right, that, that I saw. You know, other people could say whatever they saw at the time, that's fine. But I did not see anything like it. And I know for a fact, even in the first few years that we operated Black Fathers, there weren't or there wasn't this level to which people aspire to say, hey, look at me, I'm a proud black father, I'm doing this with my kids, you know, outside of being members of that group. Now, today, just like you said, there's stuff everywhere and it's specific to black men. And and I really had to deal and, and still deal to a large degree, not, I won't say a large degree, but to some degree with people who still question why is it just black fathers why isn't it this and why isn't it that but i know that in in this day and age there's so many other groups and operations that are solely that are even dear fathers i didn't know was it just about black fathers you know right. i thought that was more of a general thing about just fathers in general but right. they are dedicated specifically to black fathers and that has changed so much over the years since since I started Black Fathers and I, I'm not in this for individual attention or credit or anything like that, but I do believe that you're you're accurate in that assessment. I think that is really what set it off. The work that we did through the group is really what inspired other people to start focusing on Black Fathers and, and Black Fathers themselves to start standing up and say, here I am and I love my kids and I want the world to know it. Because because unfortunately, what happens is it's like with history, we kind of rewrite history often. Yeah. Sometimes when we rewrite history, we forget the important people that plays a role. Like, for example, when you talk about the fatherhood movement, like um, shout out to Derek Phillip, because he's like a great resource when it comes to the fatherhood movement. Um, I go back to like the Million Man March, Mm. which no one talks about. You know, like last year was a 25 year anniversary of the Million Man, Man March, which to me, you know, studying is that that kind of started the the transition of um, black father movements mm-hmm. in that time period. Then you start seeing organizations all over the country creating platforms dedicated to black fathers. And then over over time, you start seeing organizations doing like daddy daughter dances. Yes. In New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, and so I think the most important thing is that we have to draw those connections together. 
Because if not, those stories from the past are going to be lost. And right. that played an important role, they're going to pass away. And so yeah. who's going to tell those stories? Yeah. And I think it's important for like person like people like ourselves and you to tell those those stories that you know what? You know, even though there wasn't a space for black fathers, I was inspired by organizations, even though they were on Facebook, but I knew they existed. So mm -hmm. I wanted to take what they learned and what they're doing and put it to social media. Yes. And that was yeah. the next wave of highlighting black fathers was through social media. Yes. And, and you're absolutely right. And I don't want anybody to get it misconstrued and, and have any thoughts that I feel like I just created all of this stuff. Like, you know, I just got on Facebook and I was the first person who ever did anything dedicated to black fathers or anything like that. I know that's absolutely not true. Shout out to David Miller. Shout out to Lamar Shields. Shout out to Baba Adamola in Baltimore, who has been at this for a very long time. There are definitely predecessors who came before me for sure and had the focus of what 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 I speak to and, and and what you said specifically is really in the social media sphere and really blowing it up to a point where as we're going from people who had primarily not not to dim diminish any accomplishments but to a large extent local movements and things going on and there were some some things across the country but there wasn't as much publicity and there certainly wasn't like good morning america and things like that you know so and and i don't say that again not specifically about me not specifically about black fathers when i talk about this i talk about what we help to facilitate right and what we have today which is things all over the place and all kinds of people. I just saw, oh, Dad United in Baltimore. Shout out to Dad United organization in Baltimore who recently had a piece on Good Morning America, right? So this is not about me just achieving something. This is about all of us having that spotlight and about the attention that is garnered now in a positive way, whereas you, you still have people in the group who are like, no, I don't want to any part of media and I don't want to be interviewed because they always do this and they always do that. But I can show them so many examples to say that when people come to us, they are looking for positive examples of black men that they want to spotlight. And this is not a hit job. This is not anything like that. They are really interested in sharing our stories. Right. So that's what it is about today. When they had the thing about um, the hair love came out. Um, someone came to us and they said, we want to do a piece that goes along with that. And I went into the group and I, I pitched it to the group and I asked who wanted to be involved. And we had members involved. So that again, there goes the show. I'm not, I'm not on the ego thing. When I get stuff sent to me, I'm looking at other members of the group and trying to find ways where they can shine, they can be spotlighted and they can continue, you know, continue to tell their stories because it's about all of us. If this was only about me, I wouldn't be sitting here with you right now, right? I'm here because of what has spread and what has become, and I'm not on any other media platform. I wouldn't be with a thousand members, right? This is about the fact that we have grown to now over 88,000 black men who are in this group, right? And, and so much else has come out of that. People have formed their own groups. People have created so much out of this right yeah and that's facts and that's the one thing too is like you know you know going back to the real death network it's like it's amazing that you know um 
you know, Kenny Broswell, Fathers Inc. was a part of Real Dad Network. Mm-hmm. Now coming up, now they're gonna celebrate him on the Oprah show. Not Oprah show, but they're doing a celebration. For oh Black yeah, Black. I know what you're talking about. Yes, and they're gonna yeah. celebrate him for uh, what the work he's doing with um, right the Fatherhood Inc. But he's also he's from the Real Dad Network tree. And mm-hmm. I think that's the important thing is to understand the importance of networking, right? And resources, like you were saying, that you know, hair love reach out to you. It's like, hey, do you have any fathers? All right, I got this group. I got I got this group going. On. Let me reach out to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the the most powerful thing right there is that network. Yeah, it really is, and it makes me with, with you saying that about the tree. I think about sports and coaching, like how you know you you can be an assistant. Or, or, or a head coach will have so many assistants that then go off and they become head coaches of other teams. And they always talk about like the Andy Reid coaching tree or the, or the you know, whoever, Bill Parcells or whomever. And they can, they are still connected to that person. They learn from that person. They give them the credit, but they have to go out and spread their own wings. Yeah. So that, that's, that's really what it's about. And that's why we are as the foundation in existence, because we want to, be able to be a funding organization primarily it's about finances because this work takes money period it just it takes money right to do it effectively and on a on a level that you really want to do it to help fathers out it takes money so we want to be a funder and we want to support in other ways that we can to help other people who want to start i had um seen something the other day from a brother who said he got custody of his child and he wanted to help other fathers be able to do the same. I got a good friend in, in Baltimore who runs Winning Strategies, who teaches fathers how to get custody of their children. So that's what it's really all about. There's so many people who want to do their own thing and it can never be too much. There's so many of us out here who are in need, right? So many that it doesn't make any sense for anybody to sit and try to hold everything to themselves because Real Dads Network can't even do everything for everybody in New York, you know, and that's not that's not taking a swipe at them or anything. It's just a fact. Right. You know, they're organized local organizations that they can't cover all of the needs. We just can't. So we have to be able to work together to support each other in order to cover this. And people who want to start things, they need to be able to have the funding to start them. You know, I'm still I'm not going to lie to this. To this day, I'm still reaching out, you know, and getting ready to ask. We got to raise $2,500 real quick. So I got to ask people to send money to that. And we're working to be able to fund other people because I still understand as long as I've been doing this, I still understand the need and I still understand how difficult it can be in certain situations, no matter what I've accomplished, I still have to grind to be able to get that funding. So I know if this, if I'm doing this and I've been on Steve Harvey, I met Zuckerberg, I've done this and I've done that, and I'm still out here trying to get $2,500 scraped up, you know, imagine the, the young man who's like, this ain't right. I need to, you know, help fathers in my neighborhood or I need to do this. How is he getting that funding? You know, so we want to be there and we want to stand as an organization that can bring in funding to then, you know, help dish it out to others who are trying to make things happen in their own way, in their own cities, in their own states and that whole sort of thing. So, yeah. yeah. But also my question, too, is how do we break that wall of branding? Because I think I've been, kind of been behind the scenes of how everything works and everyone's tied to their brand. 
hinders mm-hmm. uh, for organizations to come together, which on some points I do understand, like if it doesn't work with what I'm doing, then I don't want to be with it. And right. which you truly understand. But at the same time, if your philosophy is to, you know, change the narrative, right? Mm-hmm. Changing the narrative is giving resources. Yes. So again, my question to you, how do we break that wall of branding so organizations can come together to overall give resources to fathers, black fathers who basically fall through the cracks? I think you have to do your best to understand that it's not about you and it's so much bigger than you, right? While maintaining a balance, because as you said, we we do have to, and it, it can be difficult because you do have to learn how to say no. And I'm still working on that because I want to say yes to everything. I want to do everything for everybody. I want to help everybody. And that's just who I am as an individual. So part of it is about who you are as a person and how you feel about things. Um, so, But there are times when you do have to say, this is just not in our wheelhouse. But it, then it goes back to the networking piece, because if you collaborate with people, it's not necessarily a no. It's a maybe I can't do it, but I can send you to this person who can. That is their expertise. That is their lane. Let me introduce you. But so all of it really works to go back to the individual. I, I know people like I, I have a good friend. Shout out to Tucky Blunt, owner of Blunt and more in Oakland, who is he prides himself as a connector of the dots. Like he, he introduced me to dear fathers folks, right? He got me on there. He got me linked up with them. He's got me linked up with some people here in Atlanta. So it, it, for the most part, it goes back to whoever is running the show as an individual. It's what is your goal here? Is it to benefit yourself? Is it the profit? Is it to look incredible on Instagram or is it to really help people out? Because if your goal is really to help people and to help black men specifically and to help us all progress as a people, then you have to be selfless and you have to put the brand stuff behind. And I'm not saying put it all the way in the background. It can be important. Yes, but it can't be the number one priority. It's not about appearance. It's about substance. Just as I talked about with the gala, you know, the, the gala was fantastic. It was beautiful. It brought us a lot of attention. But then we also have to do works of substance that are truly benefiting fathers. So it has to be both things. Some people just want the flash and some people are scared that doing working with other people is going to take something away from them. You know, I, 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 I love I'm not saying I ever want to die broke, but I love George Washington Carver because he was such a selfless person. Right. Um, and I think about that sometimes. And I think about like if I. If I never profit off of this, if I never do the things, there, there are a lot of ideas I have in my head, but I'm not out here to profit off of this. So if I if I died dead broke, I would understand. I would still be happy with myself. There may be some regrets I had, but I would still be happy with what I have accomplished. So that's what it has to be about. It can't it can't be about the self. It's got to be so much bigger than that. And thank you for bringing that up. Um, before we end the, this dope conversation, to a regular person that's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, explain the difference between the media and then the difference between 
that organization that actually do the work. Because I think what happens often is that people get it misconstrued when they see mm -hmm. certain things. They think you know certain groups are are doing stuff in the in the in in the community. And right. They play two different roles, significant roles, but mm -hmm. they play different roles. So to people that don't know the history of what you do and what you do with the foundation. Can you, again, explain the difference between the media and then the actual work that the, that organization do on the ground? Certainly, and, and part of that, if I'm, if I'm really understanding, I would say that part of that whole dichotomy is why I started the foundation, because I've felt like, for a long time, I felt like I was just running a group, right? And I never saw, for the longest time, I never saw how impactful it was to people. And I felt like I wasn't doing the work. I felt like I had this thing, I was getting a lot of attention for this thing, but I didn't feel like it was enough. So I wanted to start the foundation because I wanted something that I felt like I could touch. I wanted like brick and mortar and I wanted men coming in to so I could, feel like I was actually doing something that was of value. What I didn't understand is how much the group was also of value and how much that was helping people. So there are different ways that it can be done and nothing has to look the same, but the point is that you have to be making an impact on people's lives in some way, shape or form. If you're just about flash and you're just about getting media attention that, that doesn't mean anything unless you have something to offer these men. So what we had with our media attention, and like I said, what I didn't really realize that we had was this space in Black Fathers where they could come and feel safe and secure to talk about their issues and to get advice. So that was the work in and of itself, even though I didn't fully realize it. So we've taken that. We're going to continue to do that as long as Facebook exists. And if we have to find other means to do it, we'll, we'll do that. We'll continue to have this virtual space online where fathers can do that. And in addition to that, we will run the foundation where we'll be able to assist these organizations. So getting, getting the media attention was nice and all of that. But the thing about it is it just wasn't about just being out there. It was about exposing the group to people who didn't know about it so that they could then come and take advantage of this resource. So the, that again, the, the most important thing is just having something in place that actually helps men out. And it's not just something where people are just talking and, you know, what, 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 what kind of car you bought this weekend? What, what, you know, how many women you got? And, you know, we, we, as men, we, we, we can talk about that stuff all the time. But what I always said is that we didn't, and this is another thing that has really changed is just the fact that we now openly talk about being fathers. Like we, we, we could talk about women all day. We could talk about sports. We could talk about this and that, but how often in, in the past did we really just talk about, man, my kid did this. I can't believe it. Or, or my kid got straight A's and, you know, and all of this and that. So that, that is a real change that's taking place. And I think that's really affecting people's lives in a, in a, in a real positive way. So if you're doing anything that facilitates that, then do that first and then push to get the word out so that you can get media attention around it. 
but don't go out there just seeking media attention just to shine a spotlight if you're not actually doing something that is beneficial to black men or, or men in general, whatever your lane is, you know. Definitely, man. And again, I appreciate your time. I Thank think your vision because, you know, you are definitely a trailblazer because you definitely paid the way to where Black Father has become viral. Mm. Black Father has become viral. And, and I appreciate you being that person that Thank played you. a cool role on that. So before we go, how can people find you and what do the organization got going on in the future? So the, the, the first thing, if you are a black man, whether you have children or not, if you um, identify as black, you can join the Facebook group, Black Fathers. Um, you'll know it. It's the largest one. There are other ones by the name, but we're the only one with 88,000 plus members <laughs> on, on six continents in the world. So there's that. We have the Black Fathers Foundation page. Um, we have the website, which we need to work on, so I won't push on that. But we also we also have our Instagram, the Black Fathers Foundation, and our Twitter, Black Fathers FDN. So check those out. Uh, we have a YouTube, Black Fathers TV as well. And what we are primarily focused on right now, we produce a show that comes out at minimum once a month, every second Monday of the month at 7 p.m. Eastern, called Foundation Conversations. And we have one coming up this Monday, actually. It's called uh, For My Brothers With Daughters. So what we do every month, we, we pick a different topic or theme, and we have different guests that come on, all black men, except for this this week, we actually have an addition, Dr. Sharice, uh, I pray I'm pronouncing that right, Chambers, who um, touts herself as the period doctor. So the idea of this particular show is all we have four veteran girl dads, right, who have raised successfully, we could say raised daughters and gone through the experience of them going through the hormonal changes and puberty and all of that sort of stuff. So we're having the period doctor come on to give the medical perspective, right, and to help fathers know what to expect, even to help the young ladies who have not gone through it yet know what to expect so we don't freak out, like, oh, my God, I can't believe my daughter, it, it happened, what do I do, guys, it's so crazy, you know? So we want them to be more prepared, more prepared than I was, because I certainly freaked out myself. But, um, and then, in addition to having her give her conversation from the medical perspective, we have the four dads who are giving their side as dads and telling their stories about what they what they went through with their daughters and all of that sort of stuff. So we've had uh, many different topics so far. We've actually been doing this for a year now. We just had our anniversary on June 8th, our first episode. Thank you. Our first episode was was June 8th of 2020, right in the heart of the pandemic. Wow. So one year we've been running this steadily, which I'm very proud of because I'm I, I'm a commitment phobe. So I probably tried to quit on this show like five times already, but you know, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but it's, it's been great because again, that goes along with telling our stories in our own way and not having anybody else do it for us. And I personally, I have not seen anything of this vein where we have a panel every month of different black men who talk about one subject and share their stories. I know every, you know, a lot of people now have one-on-one -on -one interviews and that's fantastic. I, I, like I said, the more the merrier, everything we do, I think there's so many stories out there. There's so many men that need help out there. We can never do too much. 
but I don't know that there's something like this specifically for black men that exists month in and month out with this panel conversation and this idea that we push. And we talk about a lot of different things, mental health. We've talked about, we've talked about cannabis. We've talked about, um, our first show was digital dad. So we talked to men who had different platforms online. We had someone who runs a blog. We had someone who helps me run black fathers. So all different topics that we're discussing. And we're talking about that whole balance between being involved in whatever the topic is and being a father, being a, whether it's with your career, so that whole work-life balance thing, all of those sorts of things. I think it's really important to get an understanding of how we can succeed in both ways, you know, in the home and outside of the home and not sacrifice. So even if you're working at home, whatever your passion is, whatever your work is, that's not related to your family, how do you mesh the two and not sacrifice one for the other? And that's dope, man. And then Thank just let people know who's watching that those description for the, the event that's coming up Monday will be in the description below. Uh, King, thank you. I appreciate you for joining. Thank you, brother. Thank you, especially coming on a on a beautiful day like this. I don't know if the Baltimore Orioles are playing today. I hope, hopefully, they lose. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even sure, but you know, I'm 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 down here in Atlanta. I'm actually keeping up with the Braves a little more, but I always got to represent hometown. This is always number one in my heart. Right. You switch oh, sides. You switch huh? sides. No, I'm not switching sides. Don't don't get me wrong. I said this is always number one, but you know, I'm, it's easier to keep up with them just because I'm down here. But no, never. Oreo is <laughs> always number one. Hometown baby, always got to represent. All right. All right, player. I appreciate you. Thank you very much. And we are likewise. Peace. All for you, yeah, yo. There whenever it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. No, I'm right alongside you. He but that I am behind you, but always got you. End of discussion. Nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours, and know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered, not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you, fully loaded, prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them, along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. My message to any dad, man, first off, know that, yeah, it, it is a hard job, but it's the greatest job in the world. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I wouldn't change anything about it. Everything you're doing from here on out, if it didn't have purpose before, now it has purpose. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. Just be a dad.